right. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on to the final topic that we have on today's show. Now, obviously, we get to cover some ground here. We are going to give y'all three burning questions each after week two in the books. Now, Zach, I would love to start this one off with my first burning question. And this is a very big question for me. Is do the Patriots get an E for effort despite an Owen to start? Or do they get an F for failure? And the reason why I bring that up is because when you look at the losses that they had, um, they probably had the best two losses out of anybody this year. I mean, they lost to the Eagles where they had an opportunity to win that game. They stifled their offense in the second half of the game. Um, the Dolphins, they took away Tyreek Hill. They took away the explosion. We got to remember, this was the same Dolphins offense that put up almost 500 yards of offense a week prior. They was able to limit that. Now, they did give something in return, which was the running game with Raheem Mostert, who had about 150 yards nearly. And it's a testament to me more so about how versatile the Dolphins are offensively more so than New England and what they can or cannot do defensively. And there's another thing that I saw, which was Belichick implementing a creative defensive alignment to block a field goal. I never seen nothing like that before. And it's funny because I saw it again last night. The Browns try to copy that same thing. Bill Belichick, once again, when you think he's outdated, he's invented the game again with that block. That literally prevented the Dolphins from going up three scores and kept the Patriots in the game with a chance to win the game at the end. That one adjustment by Bill Belichick. That's why when you try to give him the boot, it's like, damn, Bill Belichick, he just drags you in because he's so good as of a coach. Right, and what he does as far as scheme, schematically, defensively. Now, it's a flip side, obviously. They are 0 2, which is the first time that has happened since 2001. And they're shorthanded, a product of what Bill Belichick did or didn't do during the offseason, acquiring talent. And, you know, this is a franchise that is known for winning on top of that. So, 0 2 is pretty me mediocre for this franchise. So, once again, my burning question is, do the Patriots get an E for effort despite an 0-2 start, or do they get an F for failure? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because I totally see where you're coming from, right? Like, when you've watched the Patriots over the course of these first two weeks, you could say, like, their defense has played really well, and that is a legit unit. Like, Judon is a legit star. This kid, Gonzalez, they drafted from Oregon. He, he looks like the real deal. And even with that being said, the gap in talent between the Patriots and their offense and their opponents is just so vast. It's so big that even if you give the Patriots some moral victories, it, it still wasn't enough. Like they played really well. Their defense was great. And still like they couldn't come away with a single victory. And you said it like Robert Kraft is expecting playoff wins, not only appearances, but wins. And that's why I just think like Bill Belichick is in such a weird spot right now because he is still in-game coaching-wise among the best. He still provides this team with certain advantages from that aspect that not a lot of other coaches in the league can, but it's also his fault because every wide receiver they draft early just isn't good. They didn't you know, trade for A.J. Brown or Stephon Diggs or really try to help out Mac Jones. And for one, like I don't think this Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, this – core group of Patriots like I don't think it's gonna work I, I think they have to come to a realization that unless they really improve the weapons which it doesn't seem like they can like they invested a lot they spent a lot of money on guys like you know Gasicki and Hunter Henry and Juju and 
uh, all those guys, but it's not making an impact. Like when you just compare the personnel with the Dolphins and the Eagles to this Patriot team, it's not close. And even with their defense playing really well, and even if you want to make the case that they deserve a more victory or two, like, no, like this team, this franchise just has a lot of high expectations. So I definitely think it's a good question. And it's funny because like Mac Jones said, and despite everything you said, they were 20 yards away from being 2-0. Like, it's tough. That's why I presented the question. Absolutely. So before I get into my first question, I just wanted to say, you know, originally what we had planned was a buy or sell segment uh, where we each have a few takes that we made prior to the season and we were either going to buy it or sell it. And I said this to you, Will. I was just like, man, I'm still very confused by a lot of the things I've seen throughout the first two weeks. And I just thought, asking questions here on this segment would give us the opportunity to just share like what we're thinking. And what I was thinking was like, Matt, I still have a ton of questions with these teams. I feel like I know less after two weeks than I ever had before. But for my first question, I'm actually going to go to the opposite end of this game. I'm going to go to the Dolphins. And it's obvious, right? Like the one thing I've noticed with Miami is Mike McDaniel's a heck of a coach. It's clear that he's an impact guy. And with him as your coach, you're definitely going to have some advantages, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It almost looks like they're playing a different sport than everyone. And it's clear, too, that when this team has Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, those three guys on the field, they're very hard to beat. Like, they could maybe even win the Super Bowl when those three guys are on the field. That's how good I think this team has looked with those three guys. And Tua, he deserves a lot of credit. But my question for the Dolphins is, if you take one of those three guys away, and I bring this up because Jalen Waddle, he right now is questionable with a concussion protocol. Uh, he's in the concussion protocol for this week's game against the Broncos. If you take one of those three guys away, what does this Dolphin team look like? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because as good as these three three guys are, I don't love their depth. Like, yeah, Mostert, he had a, a very nice touchdown run. He looked really good, but we know his problem. He's injury prone. He gets hurt a lot. The young running back they got from uh, AM, A-Chain, he's banged up. Jeff Wilson. We don't know when he's going to be coming back. And I understand their defense has a lot of talent and Vic Fangio. He should be able to fix that and make it better within time. But we know if this team wants to get to their ultimate ceiling and where they want to be, it's going to be because of the offense. And if Jalen Waddle isn't out there or if Tyreek Hill isn't out there, we even saw the drop off this offense, of, this offense had with Teddy Bridgewater last year when Tua got hurt. They looked like a totally different team. And we know the concern with Tua. It's the injuries. He's done a good job staying healthy over the course of the first two games. But if you take one of those three guys away, what exactly does this Dolphin team look like? And is it anything close to what their ultimate ceiling is? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good reason for concern based on looking ahead to any potential injuries and how they could respond off of those injuries. I think for me, when you talk about Mike McDaniel, it's a fascinating topic of conversation because he's really – revolutionizing the game as we know it in um, the NFL. And with our show being called It's Not 1999 Anymore, I mean, he's one of those reasons why we have a show like this because of the new innovations. And I think for me, last year was him not knowing any better in the sense that, yes, we know he's a great play caller, but can he be a legitimate coach? We saw how the playoff game ended against the Buffalo Bills with his lack of clock management and awareness to call timeouts. And that possibly cost him the game. But this year, with another year coaching, it feels like the Dolphins' offense is like 2.0 in the sense that Tua 
it's another year removed from those injuries, another year of acknowledgement of the system, another year for guys like Tyreek Hill, who's just not running because he's a he's a dare and he can make plays because he's Tyreek Hill, but he knows the offense. And I think that's what makes this Dolphins this year's version more scarier than last year's because of the ability to adapt. And I think this year in regards to Mike McDaniel and how it ties into your question about how would they look as far as anybody going down, it's about McDaniel being able to make adjustments. And I think it was evident those adjustments in week one this year against the Chargers and how they torched that same defense that shut them down last year in prime time. So I think when you have a guy like Eric Spocia in the NBA who during the playoffs we saw Tua and McDaniels at these games, he got the witness firsthand a Hall of Fame coach making game-to-game adjustments throughout the playoffs. So he needs to take that and use it for the NFL and apply that to his creative design. And, um, you know, I think this team is going to be good as long as they are on the field. And if so, it happens that one of these big three, you know, Hill, Waddle, Tua gets hurt. I think this year's team will be able to prepare for that because they made the pieces during the offseason to withstand an injury to Tua again. That's why they brought in Mike White. That's why they added more weapons like Braxton Berrios and stuff like that. And they're showing compared to this year, compared to last year, that they can run the football. That's what they did with Raheem Mostert on Sunday. So I think this team is good. All right, moving on to my next question. Um, we got to talk about the Cowboys because oh, it's you, weird. <laughs> this defense, it's I, the real deal. I think it's my turn, Zach, but oh, oh. I, I'm going to keep it. That was my next one. It's funny. That was literally my next one, so we might as well keep it with the Cowboys. I think for me, my burning question is, is this the Cowboys team, this version, with Dak Prescott, can this version make the NFC Championship game? Is this the right version here? Is this the best one in the Dak Prescott era? The reason why I bring that up is because, you know, the Cowboys hype. It makes me sick to my stomach because every year, you know, people were saying, this is the year. They're going to the Super Bowl, this, that, and the third. And then they always fall short, first round, second round. But something feels a little different here. And I'm not trying to drink the Kool-Aid, but when you talk about the efficiency, along with the defense that I'm seeing, it's like... The Cowboys offense, right? They they haven't turned the ball over. Dak Prescott hasn't. You know, he has 62 passing attempts without throwing an interception. Last year, he led the league in interceptions. And, you know, an efficient offense that's running the football and not turning the ball over, paired with that defense that arguably probably is the best in the league, that is a recipe for success. And you can make a legitimate argument that Dak Prescott, Lost them the playoff game. That game was close. The defense came to play against the 49ers. It was Dak Prescott throwing two interceptions and having some misfires in the fourth quarter that cost them that game. If this version of Dak is protecting the football, which he is thus far, haven't thrown an interception at all, and what they're doing on the flip side to that, holding the Giants offense to 171 yards in a total in the, in the game and 2.6 yards per carry, and then stifling the Jets running game who just torched the Buffalo Bills defense, then you pair those two things together, this may be the Cowboys team that actually cracks over the hump and gets to an NFC Championship game. Yeah, so I think it's so interesting, right? Because you clearly, at least going into the season, don't trust their quarterback. I didn't. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't trust their head coach. Uh, you know, the long track record there. But one thing we can't agree on is this defense is elite, and Micah Parsons 
might be the best defensive player I've ever seen in my years watching the NFL. Like we're hearing the uh, Lawrence Taylor comparisons. And uh, even though I didn't watch LT, like I, I could see where they're coming from. Like this guy is just such a scary, dangerous player. And he is just a real game changer. I, I know his draft was the COVID year. So like a lot of people, him, Jamar Chase, like they didn't play college football that year. So maybe that had a little bit of uh, something to do with why they both fell in the draft a little bit. But yeah, that guy is just an absolute stud and could be the pick that changes the Cowboys franchise. Because again, you kind of hinted at it. Like this team hasn't made an NFC championship game since 1995, not even a Super Bowl, just an NFC championship game since 1995. And I've always thought that the head coach quarterback combination, it held them back a little bit, but I got to say, man, like watching Dak Prescott on Sunday, that might've been the best game I've ever seen him play like in his entire career. And I've, you know, a lot of beef with the Jets defense and how poorly they looked, but we know that is a really good unit. And Dak Prescott just exposed it. It was one of them. I think the best Dak Prescott I, I saw, it was two. Like he has flashes. You know, I'm not a Dak Prescott guy at all, but I'm not a hater. I'll call a spade a spade. It was the Packers divisional game where they lost that game, but he played, he didn't lose in the game when they played Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers just so happened to move out of the pocket and improbability allowing the field goal, the game winning field goal in that game. He had a very good second half of that game, the best I saw um, from him. And arguably against my Buccaneers, sending my boy into retirement. Tom Brady last year was a good Dak Prescott game. So this is right up there with those. Yeah. So he was really impressive. And like, it's interesting, you know, this team, I, I found it funny, like, everyone was hating on Mike McCarthy because he let uh, Kellen Moore go to the Chargers, and I was really afraid of how this offense was going to look when he's talking about how much emphasis he wants to put on running the football, but with this defense and this quarterback, that might be really the formula for them to win games, which I think is a super fascinating dynamic, and he was aggressive, like, the uh, Jets had a penalty uh, after the play on that, I think it was the second Cowboy touchdown, and he went for two to make it an 11 to seven game, which was, you know, pretty innovative offense. Never thought I'd see that from the con man himself, but this Cowboy team is two and oh, and I'm trying to figure out like these wins were so dominant and it, it was against the two uh, New York teams. And then the next two games are at Arizona and hosting the Patriots. So like this team should be four and oh, heading into week five, a game that will be must see TV on Sunday night football, a playoff rematch against the 49ers. So I agree with you in the sense that, man, if the Cowboys are ever going to do it, this has to be the year. And if they don't, like, I, don't, I really don't know if they ever will. But can Dak Prescott keep that up? He looked like a guy to me that heard the noise all offseason about how poorly he played last year. And he deserved to hear that noise. But I still have this guy in the top 10 of my quarterback rankings because he has a track record. He's consistent. Like, although last season was awful, it was really the first time I've ever seen him look that bad when it comes to interceptions and the amount he's thrown. If he's just taking care of the football, especially with this defense, and he is looking like he did on Sunday, then, yeah, I don't see why this Cowboy team can't win. And, and one last big-picture point on the NFC East, I did think that quarterback play would be a big reason why the Eagles would ultimately have the edge over the Cowboys and that they would be the first repeat winner in this division in the last 20 years. But you got to give it to Dak Prescott. So far, there hasn't been that big of a difference, if much, one at all, uh, between him and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, look, I saw Sunday Night Football, the first half. I turned that joint off by halftime. I'm not sitting here watching no blowout, man. Come on. We don't get that much time in hours in a day. 
So we need to use it wisely. It wasn't watching that second half. But when I saw the interview, it was like a little sideline interview before the game. I seen it in Dak's eyes. My guy was looking like he was walking to the boxing ring to fight Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao. My guy was, you saw the motivation in his face. And I just shoved it off. Like, look at this cat. Like, he going to do something. And lo and behold, he did something. So if he could keep this up, when you talk about all offseason, we've been asking, who is that team to challenge the Eagles and the 49ers? The Cowboys is a team that nobody really picked up on. It was Seattle, Seattle, and Seattle. Um, Maybe the Lions, Yeah, you know? But the Cowboys, not only could they challenge, like, I could see a world where they win this division. So, I think, yeah. I think the odds are even right now. I, it's going to come down to the two head-to-head matchups, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Those two teams I agree. Play. Okay, so uh, I had a Cowboy question also, so I'll scratch that. I did come with uh, one uh, in uh, one extra one. I want to talk about the Chiefs, right? Because Sunday was a big game, them going to Jacksonville, and after week one, that was one of the biggest storylines, right? They lose uh, at home on opening night, uh, ring, uh, ring ceremony to the Lions, and they didn't have Chris Jones. They didn't have Travis Kelsey. And my question is, is this the best defense the Chiefs have in the Mahomes-Reed era? And I think the answer is yes, and that should be a very scary sign for the rest of the league. You know, I I was a little bit concerned about the Chiefs coming out of their week one game against the Detroit Lions because they shot themselves in the foot. They made mistakes, which really cost them, and you rarely see that from this team. But they didn't have two of their three best players. And if they don't have Jones and they don't have Kelsey, like we could all agree, this team probably – isn't winning that much, but those guys are back. And Chris Jones made an impact right away. It it didn't look like he made any time. And I've been a little bit vocal about this, but I'm going to keep harping it. Like I think this chief's defense is really good. And Steve Spagnola, their defensive coordinator, who has now won three Super Bowls with two different teams, give that man his flowers because he is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. And he's clearly made an impact when you compare how this chief's defense has looked, um, when he first got there and Mahomes first got there, like it was awful. It was costing them games. And now it's among one of the better units in the league. Kansas City last year when they won the Super Bowl, they were one of the most uh, young teams in the league. And those guys are getting older. Those guys are getting better. And the fact that they just had the Jaguars offense very confused. Like I wasn't expecting the Jaguars not to be able to get into the end zone on Sunday. And Jacksonville, you know, I think they're a contender. I think they're the clear cut best team in the AFC South. And they've now lost three times in the last calendar year to Kansas City. And the Chiefs didn't even play that well on offense in this game, you know? Their wide receivers are still not great. They still have a lot of concerns. But Kelsey, he just came back. He caught a touchdown. And I just think it's crazy that this team, like, didn't even play that well. And they still beat a team that many people, including, I believe, both of us, think is, like, among one of the better teams in the AFC. Like, they won that game pretty comfortably without even playing that well. I, I trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to have the offense playing much better by the time we get to the playoffs, and it means the most. So I am feeling much different about Kansas City right now, opposed to the way I felt about them after week one, considering they didn't even play that well, and they still won comfortably in week two. Yeah, I think for me to respond to that, when you talk about the Jaguars, they didn't really look good week one either against a team with a rookie quarterback that they ushered in for the real first game of his career, when you think about, like, the games that counts, they didn't look good that game. I was just pleased with how Calvin really looked in that game, and I was pleased that I have him and Travis Etienne on my fantasy league, and they gave me points. So that kind of, like, really blinded me from, like, really 
expressing any concerns after week one because I was satisfied for ulterior motives. But they didn't look good in week one, and they didn't look good in week two. And the Chiefs actually gave them multiple opportunities to go out there and score by turning the rock over and, you know, going forward and not converting. Their defense actually played good. We have to give the Jaguars credit defensively for how they stifled the offense of the Chiefs. But the play calling was not great. And they're going to have to map that out. So I think a lot of it, too, is the Jaguars because that game really felt like they could have won at home with all the opportunities that the Chiefs gave them. With that being said, I do agree that Chiefs defense should be the best version it has been with Mahomes. And that's good from like, a all right, OK, both sides of the ball. But once again, the main question that I had going into the year with the Chiefs were not answered which was the wide receiver unit, the wide receiver room. And we all know Kelsey is there. And I had these questions before Kelsey missed game one, before I knew he was going to miss game one. And I still have those questions with Kelsey Beck because nobody has took the or shown me that they can be reliable week to week. So those questions, I, I'm pretty sure we feel that they're going to get mapped out by the end, but we have no evidence that it will because um, these guys are unproven and they have been unproven for the majority of their careers thus far. So I think for me, if anything, the Chiefs will still be a playoff team because of what's happening around them and teams not wanting to go get it, you know, rather than them being a better version of themselves. I don't think this is the best KC team that has been in the Mahomes and the Reed era. I mean, clearly, I mean, that's obvious when you had Tyreek Hill, Kelsey and Mahomes, you know, on the team at one time, but they found ways to adapt and to win. And this year, although they do not look pretty, the offensive line don't look the same without Orlando Brown. We didn't bring that up. So there's a lot of ways you can pick positives and negatives about this Chiefs team, but do anything matter in the grand scheme when teams are not trying to go get it, where you look at this AFC West and the Broncos are playing games when they have a 21 to three lead against the Washington Commanders, and they blow that, right? When you look at the Chargers, and they're playing games, they are 0-2. When you look at the Raiders, and I'm not trying to be a hater, but my God, I mean, they got smoked by the Bills. You know, they still can win this division and still be there. But with one of these powerhouse teams, like the Bills, potentially the Bengals turn it around, could take them and knock them off. I think it's more so about what those teams can do rather than what Kansas City could do. And that was the same question I had last year. But Kansas City, I mean, these teams didn't do it. so. We'll see. But right. I, think I just feel like if you would have told Doug Peterson before the game that his defense would only allow 17 points, like he'd be giving out game balls and, he, and he'd be yeah. celebrating. And when you tell, you know, ahead of time that Kansas City was giving you ample opportunities to score by self-inflicted wounds, you would take that every time. So, so yeah, I agree that the AFC as a whole, like it's probably not as good as we thought it was going into the season and in terms of the receivers like yeah I see what you're saying they've been disappointing but like do we think Ju losing Juju Smith-Schuster is like the difference in this team and like why they wouldn't you know when uh, possibly go on another deep playoff run because uh, he was good last year but at the end of the day again I, I still trust Reed and Mahomes and with more time with Kelsey there like I, I think this offense will be fine you know Andy Reed can't take me off the street and we still be a, a Super Bowl contender respectfully i believe in myself and i believe the work that i put in but i ain't no daggone you know randy Moss or even juju okay so um at the end of the day they gotta make plays you cannot put a system and think the system is gonna win anything they gotta catch the ball and Kadarius tony have been dropping balls right so they gotta make the plays as well so you know we trust in Mahomes. we trust in andy reed 
But those other guys got to step up. Football is a team aligned sport. They got to make the plays. But I think for me, right, I have one more. I have two. Maybe I might squeeze in two here, but I'm going to choose one just to be sure right now. I'm going to talk about the Bills. Or the people predicting the Bills' demise, or they're going to be surprised when it's all said and done. Because a lot of people have been predicting the Bills' decline and demise, right? You know, the championship window is closed. You know, they're running out of time. And it's funny because you could have made that same argument with the Bengals. You could have made that same argument with the 49ers. You could have made that same argument with the Cowboys. You could have made that same argument with a lot of these teams, right, of Yo, you need to win a championship now because of financial obligations and windows being closed and all that. But we picked on the Buffalo Bills because they got sent home in devastating fashion the last couple of years, especially um, two years ago with the 13 seconds the defense blew that game. But do they just have a Jets problem? Because I understand Josh Allen, he's feast of famine in a lot of ways in the sense that he can make explosive games and be the number one quarterback week to week, but also have games where he loses his team games. And that was evident Monday night football against the Jets, where he threw three interceptions, two of those balls in double coverage. And we all know historically that the Jets give him trouble, especially the last couple of years. Last year, one of the teams that beat the Bills was the Jets. And I, I think a lot of it is who they play, matchups. I think matchups is a lot of reasoning to pick or pick against a team, more so than what people give credit for. It's not strictly eye test. Yeah, eyes matter, and what you see on the field matter, but sometimes it's about matchups. The game is about matchups, whether it's on the field or whether it's on the schedule. And I think for me, that was evident when they bounced back in a big way against the Raiders, who you know took the opening drive, was up 7-0, and they were trailing, and they just shut them out completely after that. And, you know, they're only going to get better offensively when you talk about Dalton Kincaid and those two tight end personnel that they're running a lot. And you still got Khalil Shakur making plays. Stephon Diggs is still alive. Josh Allen is still Josh Allen. I think for me, a lot of people was predicting their demise, but they're not done yet. And they could be, when you talk about the AFC and you look at what team could be a threat to the Chiefs, it's not the Megals thus far. It's not the Chargers thus far. It's not anywhere anybody from the AFC West thus far. It may only be the Bills, and that's why I asked the question I did. Yeah, so I agree with your point of the fact that they were down 7 nothing. Like, it, it would have been very easy for them to just look around and say, like, what is wrong, panic, but that's the opposite of what happened. They responded in a big way, and it's funny with the Bills. I either feel like they lose in just, like, excruciating close fashion or they blow their opponents out. Like, I feel like every game Josh Allen wins – is usually by like at least 10 points. And it's, it's like it's the Boston up. Celtics in the NBA. I feel the same vibes, to be honest. Yeah, and I know you've brought up that comparison with those two teams before and their just flat-out inability to get over the hump. I, I think that's a good one. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, that's a great bounce-back win. You know, it, the Raiders, it's funny. Uh, they probably have the worst secondary in the league, and they are in the worst division and the worst conference to have that problem when you're going up against Mahomes and Herbert, and Josh Allen, like they did in week number two. But I'll just have to see more. Like, the Bills' next two games, they'll go to Washington this week. You know, the Commanders, their defense, they have some players. And then they'll host Miami. And that week four game against the Dolphins, it's a 1 o'clock game, so it's kind of – it's going to be buried. But that game is going to be must-see TV. And the Dolphins, you know, prior to this year, the last game they played was in that stadium. They played 
their two games last year, and both of them were extremely competitive. But Buffalo ended up winning both of them. That game is going to be must-see TV. And when it comes to Buffalo, I still have my questions. The offensive coordinator uh, without Brian Dable, that has a lot to do with it. But, uh, yeah, that was a vintage Josh Allen Bills win, just uh, taking the opponent behind the woodshed. Definitely. Um, Zach, I got to be out of here in about five minutes. So I believe you have one more. I do. All right, let's go. All right. So I brought this up earlier um, in the show when we were talking about the NFC North. Who is the best team in this division? And my answer might surprise you. I think it's the Packers. And when you look at this team, you know, I, I think a lot of it might have to do with the teams around them. Like, obviously, the Bears have been a massive disappointment. But I, Matt LaFleur has been really impressive. I know they lost that game to uh, Atlanta on Sunday. That was a tough loss. But they were missing Christian Watson. They were missing Aaron Jones. They were missing David Bakhtiari. They were missing Elgin Jenkins for the majority of that game. And still, Green Bay was right there uh, pretty late in that game. And Matt LaFleur, you know, you could say what you want. Like, I still think he might be a little overrated, but I can't deny that he's done a good job with uh, Jordan Love and he's putting him in a, in a good position to succeed. That's clear. You know, Love didn't really throw the ball that many times on Sunday in the second half, but maybe that's the smart idea. Like, you don't want him making mistakes and turning the ball over. And I just don't trust the Lions. Like, I, I still don't think their defense is that good. Geno Smith, uh, a big bounce back game for him. Uh, that's That was a massive win. Maybe the biggest win of week two. And they just lost um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, They prize pickup of the offseason on that defense. It's not going to get better. Yeah. So I think Seattle, props to them. That was a big, big win. Pete Carroll, without both of his starting offensive tackles, going against Aiden Hutchinson in that pass rush. I was really impressed with Seattle. And uh, Thursday night football, not this week, but next week, Detroit goes to Lambeau. And the Packers' next two games, both at home, against the Saints and Lions, I think they win both those games. And they affirm themselves as the team to beat in the NFC North. And uh, I, I got to give credit to Matt before. He's done a good job so far. Yeah, definitely. And it's, a, it's an extension. It's an extension of what I talked about with the South and the Falcons. And even though I didn't really pull all the credit away and put the mat under where they stood, I still talked about the matchups and all that. And when you talk about the Packers, I actually felt more impressed and Zach, I, I could actually speak for you, even though I'm allow you to speak for yourself. Um, based on where you had the Packers before, compared to where you have them now, potentially winning division, it may seem like you actually was more impressed with them in a loss against the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, would you say so? I was impressed with both teams. You know, to be honest, I think uh, the main culprit to look at for uh, my opinion uh, changing in the NFC North is uh, you know the team in Chicago. We, we won't mention them. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to mention them before I leave, too. I have to. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I know they impressed me more in a loss. Even though I was high on the Packers, well, I started to go with them. Yeah, I started to go with them to win the North. And now I'm actually going to go on your side and actually pick them to win the North. I had them come to number two. But the reason why I was even more impressed in a loss was because of the losses that they had in the game with David Bottiari you know, the best offensive lineman of this team, you know, he's out. Christian Watson, the number one receiver on this team is out. Aaron Jones, the number one running back on this team is out. I mean, you're supposed to lose that game. And yeah, they lost that game, but they fought to the end. Like it took Arthur Smith being aggressive to try to win that game. It, it felt like, a, you know, it almost felt like you playing Alabama. We have to go for it. Like he treated them like Alabama without their best players. And that's why I was more impressed in the loss because, come on, man, like, Jordan Love's still functional. 
despite everything happening like that, that's a really, really good sign. And I think right now, if you told me early, way too early, week two, oh my God, Lil, calm down. But if you told me today who is in the driver's seat to win head coach of the year, it's LaFleur. I think LaFleur and McVay is right there too. McVay is right there too. I don't think they're going to have enough wins though um, in the back end to really you know, have that award. He would have to make the playoffs. And if we believe that's the third or second team to make the playoffs, then yeah, that's going to happen. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So I think Matt LaFleur will be right there, my favorite, to win head coach of the year right now after two weeks. But um, yeah, I think the Packers are a team that potentially could win this division and sign me up for that Lions game um, coming up in a couple weeks. Now, before I depart, because I definitely got to get up out of here. I just feel I can't leave us without talking about this team right here, staying in the North. We have to talk about this, right? And my last burning question is, did the Bears make a mistake not drafting Bryce Young and sticking with Justin Fields? I feel like we have to talk about this because, you know, you picked the Bears to win this division. You know, I didn't go that far, but I expected a little bit of a leap from Justin Fields. It hasn't happened. Now, there's a lot of blame to go around here. Play calling is terrible, right? Luke Getze, terrible. They're not running the ball with Justin Fields. They're not running the ball like that, period. They should be running the ball. That's what made them them, right? If there's any blueprint to take away from last week, it's from another game. It's what the Eagles did, okay? It's a copycat league, and the Bears should be copying right now, okay? We saw the Eagles' offense out of sync. Jalen Hurts was out of sync throwing the football. He had a couple of good deep plays to Devontae Smith. That was it. They ran the ball. They ran to a victory against the Vikings. They need to adopt that. They need to run the ball. Because right now, having Justin Fields in a pocket standing there like he Peyton Manning and, and, and Tom Brady is not it. He's not Tom Brady. Okay? He's not Tom Brady. will never be Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. He cannot sit in that pocket and, and throw 40 times a game or throw 30 times a game. Y'all got to establish a running game. You got to get him on the move. So, um, yeah, as far as Justin Fields is concerned, I ain't giving him no skate route either. My guy can't make a simple out throw to DJ Moore, who's wide open. He missed the wide open throw to the end zone. My guy's holding the ball like holding a grudge, okay? He need to let the ball out. Like, he cannot be holding the ball. He doesn't know how to read the field. He's very inaccurate. His timing is off. And right now, I'm thinking the Bears regret it not drafting Bryce Young because they really realistically could have got that same package that they got for that pick for Justin Fields because Carolina needed a quarterback. And the Bears was only, the only pathway to get that quarterback, whether it was with that pick and trading for it or trading for Justin Fields. Okay? Now, the only way I could rebuttal what I just said is if Justin Fields, A, you know, proves me wrong next week with a game against Kansas City. And if they could win that game, I am taking this back. Even though I'm not, it's not even a statement, it's a question. But I'll take this question back if they're able to beat Kansas City next week. That would be a great place to start. Or B, if they literally lose and continue losing and they're in a Caleb Williams sweepstakes and they get Caleb Williams. That would be the only way that they can lose out and not regret trading Justin Fields is if they get Caleb Williams or if Justin Fields have a good second half. So, yeah, that's my biggest question. Did the Bears make a mistake by not drafting Bryce Young and sticking with Justin Fields? And one more situation I'll throw, too. Like, they have Carolina's first-round pick, and the Panthers are 0-2. It's been a bad start. So, if they fall in the tank, they, they have their pick, too, which might even give them another even better opportunity to draft a, a quarterback. But, man, like, I'm just 
I understand and, and I agree. Like everyone deserves blame here, from Fields to Eberflus to Getze, every party in, uh, involved in the Bears. When you look at their history as a franchise, especially when it comes to quarterbacks and the offensive side of the ball, it's less than ideal. My question is, like, what do you do to fix it? Because it feels like this rebuild is going backwards. Like, like it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. And I don't know if just getting rid of Justin Fields, I don't know if just getting rid of Matt Eberflus is what that's fixing. You know, Eberflus, it's crazy. He's only in his second year. And, like, I would understand why they would want to move on from him. But it's only two years. And I don't know. I don't know what this uh, regime and, and Ryan Poles, you know, he's, he hasn't been there for that long either. Like, I just feel like it's, it's been a short period of time, but literally everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong since they made that trade. And I guess that's a signal that maybe it wasn't the right decision. I agree, Zach. And we're going to get up out of here. It was a good show. Very methodical. And as always, I'm looking forward to the next show, my guy. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're, we've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question. 